Everybody, welcome to a slightly tired uh, and uh, jet-lagged uh, Sonic Talk. Um, just back from Nam. Uh, Nam was a bit of a major one. Nam 2013 held in—I uh, usually say sunny California, but in fact it. It rained in the entire time, and the hour and a half I had off that week was spent running around uh, Santa Monica in the freezing cold trying to find some shopping gifts. So it was pretty, uh, weather-wise, it was a very disappointing affair. But from a gear point of view, now that's another matter. So we're going to go to, we have some guests. I'm going to start, uh, I may get this a bit wrong because, I, like I said, I'm a bit befuddled. So we'll start over there with... Uh, Dave Spears. Oh, no, I got that bit right. Dave Spears is over there in his uh, synthy boudoir from G4 Software, makers of fine software instruments and stuff. How are you there, Dave? I'm all right. I'm, I think this jet lag has sort of transferred from you to me, even though I've not been on a plane. Uh, it's as catching. As I talking to you, I was like, oh, yeah. This yeah <laughs> I felt really tired and bored as soon as I opened my mouth, did I? <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm bringing such great energy to the show, and, uh, and, um, and you are too. But there you are, Dave. Thank you very much for joining us. And I'll say also hello to Mark Tinley there, if I like being. Uh, there's your lower third, Mark. How are you, Mark? Mark's in full BBC, BBC Racing commentator mode. Indeed. I don't know what's going to happen, though, and... Because I've changed all the controls in the last two minutes while I wasn't talking to you, so God knows what I sound like. Hello, I yeah. hope that sounds good. It sounds all right. Yeah, it sounds like it's Excellent. working. Yeah, that was a good guess then. It was a good guess. So uh, yes, Mark Tinley, likebeing.com, sound designer. Uh, Mark's Mark. Um, uh, yeah, say they say you're a little quiet now, but I, I'm not sure that I would agree. But we'll, well see. Uh, bit less top end, a bit more. Oh, and hands is going in all video switching. Right, I'm gonna. Anyway, hello. You can sort that out while I say hello to Mr. Non-Eric over there in sunny Germany from musotalk.de. Now, have I got the guest thing right? Oh, no, I haven't. Where has he gone? There he is, musotalk.de, fresh from Berlin, where we're getting the benefit of his full video switching rig. How are you there, Hans? Uh, Non-Eric, sorry, I keep getting it wrong. Yeah, that's what would be a request, because I think it's confusing one or the other uh, listener or viewer. Let's stick to non-Eric and... I will try. It's a bit like Moog and Moog, you know? I started saying Moog. Moog, I started saying Moog when I was there talking to Moog people. (laughs) I started saying Moog because I thought I'd better, you know, be on best behavior. But then I keep reverting. One question, Nick. Where do I find the live stream on your site? I can't find it. SonicState.com forward slash live. Okay, got it. Uh, and if you go slash uh, panel.cfm, then you get no chat room. Then you just get the chat room rather than the re- the feed coming back at you. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So I can, yeah, I need to turn yeah, this off. That's it. Ah, I got it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, well, um, welcome, everybody. This is, uh, it's quite a big deal, actually. This NAM set felt, certainly from a synthy point of view and a few other things, I must admit, I've gone into uh, full-stretch cinema mode again, which I think seems happens when Skype goes on. But nonetheless, so... Um, Nam, how was it? Hans, I'm get, non-Eric, I'm guessing that you probably were had your eye glued to the releases um, in a more sort of d- diligent fashion than everybody else because it's your sort of, it's your bread and butter really, isn't it? So how was it for you? What was your sort of overall set feeling from the show? 
the general feeling is that trade shows seem to bring up, you know, all these crazy people with their hardware synthesizers and with the crazy kind of uh, rack, modular, whatever crazy stuff. And uh, same uh, this year, and uh, we had the return of the MS-20. Oh, it's not here anymore. No, <laughs> mine's in the other room. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the SP standing here, but when we did the show, I had my MS-20 up here, obviously, yeah. because that's obviously for me a big, big, big topic because on my first record, we're using MS-20, and now there's an MS-20 Mini coming out, though that was a big news on our side. I have to say, I agree. It was absolutely massive, really. I mean, the whole... I, I mean, and I have to say that I think it was a very synthy show overall. It just felt like there wasn't loads of iPad apps. There wasn't load of kind of sample libraries. I'm sure they were there, but it felt very much more analog and organic than it has done for a long time, um, which is kind of interesting, really. Um, I know, Dave, you're a, you're a synth guy. Did you, I mean, I, I imagine you probably haven't been glued to the news feeds, but I mean, just as a sort of casual observer, how did it uh, come across to you? It was kind of synth-led. I don't know about lead, but um, no, it was good. It was good that the rumour was right about the little mini MS-20. So you, and you checked it out, yeah? Yeah, I did. I actually spent a little bit of time with it. Um, I've got a little video. Let's see if I can play a bit, um, just because then, then, then we can introduce it. See if I can actually find the video, um, just so we can, we can. Everybody knows what we're talking about if they haven't already seen it. Let me see if I can get that to happen. Yes or not? Go on then. Hi, Steve from Korg here. We're at the NAMM Show 2013. And I'm going to show you the thing. One of the things that people are really talking about at the show, the MS20 Mini. He's not wrong, this is he? This is not analog modeling. This is not okay. What happens when you have a filter? No, no. This is a real analog synth. This was designed by the original engineers that created the first MS20, and this is is just it. They. It was a, a love affair to bring it together. It's 86% of the size of the uh, of the original MS20, and as you can see, every, it's just it is an MS20. As I go in, mess with the filters, those wonderful, wonderful Hello. filters and resonance. Yeah, I will. I will. I would like to say that I did call uh, catch uh, Steve McNally, kind of like. <laughs> 10 past 10 on the first morning of the show when clearly he'd had about 30 seconds to play with the synth um, but he did a sterling job of uh, kind of showing me what was going on there um, and I did get to play with it and I mean without having an AB you know I haven't been able to do an AB comparison but I tried a few of the things that I try on mine or well I used to use it for a couple of sounds and I tried to get those and it was pretty close I mean I think it feels a little bit wobbly. The knobs are a bit wobbly, but I mean, for 500 quid, which is going to be the, the price, you can't really expect it to be built like a tank, uh, really, I would say. So, oh, this is built like a tank. There we go. There's, uh, there's non Eric's MS20 right there. It is heavy, isn't it? But I mean, the thing, the thing that was really cool about it was that it was, they've even got, they've gone for the Hertz volts. Rather than volts proactive, they just basically made everything wrong with it that was wrong with it the first time round when you're trying to use it with current equipment. So they haven't tried to compromise. The only thing they added was the um, USB MIDI and the MIDI port. You know, everything yeah. else is as it was. There's no LFO clocking. There's none of that stuff. And it comes with 10 patch cords, which if I remember correctly, the original only came with two or three. So that's an improvement. 
That's the upgrade. <laughs> so is it the same size exactly as the legacy controller? Or yeah, it basically. It's exa- I think it's exactly the same thing. They used okay. the K. They must have saved a bit of um, must have saved a bit of cash by using the same, you know, using the same hardware and pa- using the Monotron as the sound source, I suppose. Uh, well, maybe the voice. I'm not sure because um, the Monotron. Yeah, I, I don't know whether the um, I don't know whether the actual uh oscillators were as beefy i mean i couldn't tell i only had a little whatever the headphones they had with them so i couldn't tell you whether or not they are exactly the same but i mean the waves the pulse width you know and all of that sort of stuff it sounded familiar and the fact that they um you can't actually uh modulate the pulse width like you couldn't on the original <laughs> so you know that it's got all the fall the failings and foibles um but it's a pretty bold move don't you think what do you think of it as a concept hans i mean is it a kind of is it, is it forwards or backwards i mean is it it's, it seems fairly brave for a japanese company who don't generally like to go back uh, i think it's a, it's a great move i think it's a good timing i think people are exactly looking for this kind of 600 700 euro small mono synths to play with and uh, i think they're doing a lot better than roland because roland has a great legacy in synthesizers but they sort of kind of almost destroyed that by uh, releasing stuff that was named like the old synthesizers but was nothing like it i remember th- something like the mc3 whatever you you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that was a 303 i would be wondering if if the filter is really as aggressive as on the original because it is pretty aggressive yeah i, okay. I managed to get it to kind of do the stuff that and you, um, might be a tad less because I mean the only thing that I did notice was when I was trying to um, check the resonance on the high pass filter because you can get some pretty beefy stuff. I couldn't, but yeah. I couldn't hear it on the headphones I had. It may have been the headphones because they were fairly crappy headphones that were on the stand, so it might not have been that. I know, Mark, were you um, were you much of a of an MS Twenty kind of guy? I mean, this this it kind sort of, of passed me by that one, I suppose, if I'm honest. Um, because I was all Roland SH-101s and things like that, because I don't know why, because my friend had one, and I, I encountered synthesizers one night when very stoned on the way back from the pub, <laughs> and then the guitar got lent against the wall for the next 20 years, because I was fascinated. Well, I, I think I spent about four hours in this guy's um, uh, kind of, you know, uh, on, he, had, he had it on top of a washing machine in another room off the kitchen. Everyone else was in the... In the uh, in the living room, kind of uh, socialising, and I spent the entire evening fiddling with this synth, and then that was the end of it. <laughs> that was the end and the beginning. Yeah. So, but I started in, on Roland synth, so that's yeah. kind of what I understood. And every time I encountered anything that wasn't a Roland synth, uh, because the filters didn't work in the same way, I always used to think, "Oh God, well there must be something wrong with it." It is first. quite impenetrable as a first-time user, I must say. The MS20, and I mean, I still don't know how to get the most out of it. You know, I was rather embarrassed because I was playing with it, and Rich Formidobi came over, who's like the main kind of uh, product guy, and he goes, and I was going, "Oh, I'm just trying," and he said, "Can I listen to your patch?" And I went, "Oh, all right then." And <laughs> I didn't listen for very long, <laughs> so that was a sort of sign um, of of my uh, the quality of my input. Um, but I think overall. I just, I just think it's a pretty bold move, and I really would like to see, you know, maybe Roland or maybe Yamaha, because basically both those companies need to buck up when it comes to synthesizer instruments. I mean, they're, they've, they've relied on that kind of workstation, you know, churchy, live performer, basic well, stuff for that, such a long yeah. time. 
So they've been churning out the same set of samples and putting them in different things for like years, haven't they? Well, it and, would and, seem and it so. it makes everything sound the same. It's like, oh, we've got this great piano sound that we recorded in this fabulous studio with all these fabulous mics. But if you keep putting it in things, like there's more than one great piano, isn't there? So we need to sort of, you know, yeah. get away from that, that sample set. They need to, they need to like you know, commission a new sample set for each new instrument. And that's why I got bored of sample and synthesis keyboards because they just all sound similar. I'm not going to say the same, but... Yeah, well, I think that's a a valid point. I mean... Roland, they did have a philosophy, Roland. You know, why make three when 20 of the same will do? Yeah, I, I, I mean, interestingly, interestingly enough, I mean, Roland had, uh, there was quite a lot of difference in Roland. They had a much smaller booth. They were upstairs on the third floor, right, all the way of everything. They were focusing a lot more on sort of video stuff. I mean, the, the whole media kind of scenario was, was different, you know, where they were offering to film stuff for you. You put your logo on the stage. I was talking to uh, the PR lady and said, oh, does that mean we don't even need to show up next time? You just film it, stick a, get them to do the demos and we'll have our logo on it and that's it, you know, but... Uh, but I, I th- I'm sure there's stuff coming. I know there's been lots of restructuring going on all over, all over, say, Roland, and I don't know, it must be similar to Japan. Just purely for the economic point of view, they must be sort of having to start thinking about how to get the most out of their people, including their intellectual property. So you, you would ha- like to think that uh, perhaps we're heading for the scenario where they will be forced to have innovation because uh, that's what people are kind of clamouring for now. And, and, and maybe Korg's... Like I say, it's a bold move. We'll make them do that. I thought there was... I, um, I have to say that Korg's launch video for the little MS-20 was brilliant. That was the original MS-20 designers. Yeah, I haven't and checked that out yet. it made me want to play and make sounds and kind of, you know, it kind of played on the the heritage and stuff. And it just... I've been a bit scathing of... Uh, various companies videos but that was exactly the kind of video that made me think yeah yeah i can kind of buy that and do something with that well and also it's going to interface with analog kit you know you to get the most out of it i mean in fact i was talking to uh one question nick yeah sq what about the sequence are you since you're now talking about connectivity if they did that that in sq10 well, that's an interesting point. Uh, the SQ10 will dr- will run the MS20 Mini because it's got the right, oh, you know. But I've I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, well, there you go. I don't know whether um, they're going to re- announce one. I mean, that would that would maybe not make so much sense to remake that because of all the quantization issues in terms of pitch and stuff. If they made one yeah. that could quantize the pitch, it might make that's sense. Because that would be my uh, most important remark on 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 the MS20 and the SQ. The whole universe, because it was so great. We did the, my first record ever was done on an MS20 SQ10 with the drum machine, and then we did a whole album SQ10 MS20 sort of you know German new wave sort of stuff. And what was so fascinating about it is that you will never be able to get the same sequence twice. And I've, I've never played with any musical instrument that was so unpredictable and that was one of my my biggest that's one of the biggest rewards you get from that instrument is because nothing is really in tune or in time or anything oh well in time yes but you know getting the tuning right so it's always like an animal still 
always evolving, always happening. And that would be something, a great addition to the digital world, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've just, uh, just there in the chat room, HT has just said uh, that apparently Harvestman, who I didn't get to see because he wasn't there when uh, we did our round of the analog, they've made a module that is designed to make it easy to connect the MS20's Mini to modular synth. So it's going to be a Hertz, Volts to Volts Octave module, which I think would be a cracking idea. If there's a few more of those, then that's really going to um, ensure that things get hooked up. I mean, this is really going right at the, the market, the sort of people who would be buying the Artorio, isn't it? We were talking about the 808 either last week or the week before, and I got in the car earlier on and I stuck Mantronics on, which is uh, a, like a hip yeah, yeah. from the 80s, basically, isn't it? Yeah. And that's all got to be 808 because the, the, the difference in quality of the sounds, I mean, there's a lot less going on perhaps, but just the bass drum is mental on that record. And, and I was just like listening to that and I was thinking, what's happened with the 808 is somebody sampled it with a 16-bit 44.1 um, uh, analog to digital converter or maybe even sampled it using an S900 probably. Yeah. And, and people don't kind of tend to go back and sample it because they think, oh, it's already been sampled, it's been done already, there's samples of it about. I'll just go and download some... 808 samples from the internet but i think people have actually forgotten how massive that machine is and and i think it was dave that said that they should reissue it if they reissued that it would just sell, sell that sell. would yeah no i think they're absolutely right i think that sort of that that and the 909 would make a massive difference they yeah. couldn't they couldn't do it mini though because those little knobs at the top for tuning and the level would be so tiny they'd be the side of match heads you know <laughs> so <laughs> So yeah, so they, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think it would make the jeweler's screwdriver or something. You'd have a a special big knob with a little, you know, kind of reducing thing on it. Yeah, I I agree. I think you know it would make sense. But the thing is, by the time they probably get round to it, the thing is, is they're so f much further away from tooling up for that. Whereas Korg were much closer. They had mm -hmm. the case. They had, you know, the, the the basics of the voicing when they obviously did the monotribe and the uh, uh, the monotron and the and the, um, the, the those mark mini things. So, you know, it was less less of a leap for for them. Whereas for any of the other manufacturers, it's going to be a massive sort of turning of uh, of this juggernaut, isn't it? I think the the difference between Korg and Roland is that Korg have got much more of an understanding of how and why people want to make music. And the Roland, uh, even though they've got that R&D unit, they don't seem to ever understand when somebody says, well, we want to make music in this way. They kind of go, well, why would you want to do that? That's not the way you make music, surely. And uh, I remember with the S770 samplers sort of, I became a member of the users club and they sent loads of stuff in and the guy, the owner of Roland, I think, came over to chat with him and was just completely unreceptive. Couldn't understand any of the, any of the things at all that mm. people were suggesting. So, Well, I, uh, what's, uh, what's Hans holding up there? Mark, uh, he meant, you mentioned that uh, people just load the samples of the TR-808 and never really get what it's all about. This is actually, I think, the best uh, sample library for drum sounds called Dance Mega Drums. Right. Pretty old. And they sampled multiple bass drums. So they had the same setting, but multiple because each time the bass drum is a little bit different. So if you sequence that, it makes it much more alive. Uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, Dance Mega Drums too. Sounds. Is that the one that's got all of the individual drum machines yes. on it? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's about 20 years old, I think. Yeah, I think I've got that. I, it was an Akai format, and I think I transferred it over to... Uh, uh, God, what is it? Unless it was recorded at 24-bit, I think it's going to end up compressed a bit, isn't it? Yeah, it I was, actually think the transition that... between the front end of the drum and the and the rolling boom of the drum is like there's there's a huge amount of like headroom just in the kick drum alone on the 808. Right, it's alone anything but, else. So, but Mark, don't you think that when we listen to these old records from the 80s, you said one thing that really strikes me is that you said, but there was a lot less going on and i think yeah. in many ways that's actually key because tomorrow we're going to do a talk here on music talk where we discuss the issues of how the arrangement affects the ability to make a good mix and one point we will stretch is hey you guys you're using too many <laughs> channels you know <laughs> Cause, yeah because yeah. it's so easy to do as well isn't it yeah I would agree with that, and that, uh, and also, you know, because back then, well, I keep going, you know, it was it was wow, check this out, this is so unusual. There's nothing else that comes anywhere close to this. Whereas now, there are lots of things that come, they're in the same ballpark, you know. But we perhaps, uh, so we just, it's easy for us to access them. Whereas, you know, you'd be going, I've got an 808, and check it out, it's the driving force of the entire record. I mean, as you still hear it on. Um, you know, we were flipping through the radio between Anaheim and going into Santa Monica, and there were just so many kind of R&B, even sort of country rock albums with 808 hi-hats and snares on them. And it's just it's just everywhere, you know, and that, that vocabulary has been sort of um, condensed to a, you know, so it's like a caricature rather than the actual purity of itself. And, and I think, exactly. and I, but I think, you know, most of us, aren't going to tell the difference you know that's the thing until we uh until it's made completely obvious to us and that sort of thing again you know you you take the 808 bass drum the proper one and you you know you make it sound lovely and you do it right and then then you end up with an mp3 it's probably not going to come across all that different is it i suppose so i mean i just liked the effect that this afternoon going to pick up my son from school when I turned it up really loud and it sounded like the speakers were turning inside out in the car. <laughs> Excellent. And it was a whole... I've only got a little stereo in there where the whole car was doing that big boom thing. Were you bouncing the front wheels as you went along as well? <laughs> I, well, it yeah, almost was, <laughs> was my main drum machine for quite some time. My only... And it, it taught me a lot about good rhythm and feel because it's so tight. It's great. Yeah, it always works. Groove. Oh, I'm getting my switching all wrong. Right, but I mean, as again, there was some other stuff that came along. We've also got the Buchla Easel, which uh, has been reissued. Um, this is uh, the sort of first thing that um, the MV Pro Audio, the SM Pro Audio, the kind of combination has done. Uh, I'll do a quick shot. We haven't got any audio of it, but if I let's see if I can get this to play, then we can at least have a look at it. It does look absolutely Great. beautiful. Hello, my name is Jeffrey Valier. I am the new director of engineering for Buchla Electronic Musical Instruments. The interesting point of the show for us today is the new old Music Easel. And oh, yeah. Music Easel uh, is a exact replica from Don's original schematics of the product he developed back in 1973 this being the 40th anniversary of the product. And we are uh, bringing it back in its original form without any DSPs, VSTs, or anything that would be uh, not original. And yeah, I, I mean, he didn't play it, so yes, you're right. Uh, um, I had a play with it. I mean, it's a synth in a suitcase. 
You know, I mean, I'm sold. I want one already. It's a synth in a suitcase. There's only one other, and that's that's standing. Uh, you can see that just behind Dave Spears there. Yeah, um, the VCS3, right? Yeah, or AKS. Oh, the, that one, yeah, okay. But the, um, the thing is, I mean, it's four grand, which everyone's going, God, it's a lot, but it's absolutely peanuts compared to what most bootloaders... I don't know what it would originally cost. It's... And those memory cards that are on the top that you do solder up, apparently they're going to create that they're going to bring out ones that you can um, do digitally so that you can just drop them in and set them up so it will have memories as well. But it'll, they'll be sort of digital memories of the, of it. And, and as I said to everybody, it was funny, I was talking to Danny, um, he said, Have you seen this? It's amazing. He said, I, but, but I don't really understand why somebody would want to pay four grand for a bleep block machine, which kind of brought on that next point, which is, yeah, point me in the direction of that record, which has got any kind of signature Buchla sound on it, please. And I'd, I'd like to hear that. But we've, we've but had that what, discussion before. But this is, this is exactly why I want it, because I think the challenge is to have something like the Music Easel and write a pop song with it. Whoever can do that is a genius. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> I've never played a Buchla. I mean, I did have a fiddle with that, and I, 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 it was about as impenetrable as uh, a Synthi AKS. But uh, it had some, it, you know, the filter sounded interesting, it had reverb and what have you. But again, you know, another analogue announcement, and quite a big deal. You know, I think really this is for the Americans. The Americans love Buchla, because I think it was in all of the, the electronic music education establishments. It was That's how he must have made his money, because he, like, in, in the way that EMS got to... All the UK electronic music schools, the Buchla went into the US ones. Don't know, Hans, have you ever played one? Will you be um, no. interested in this? Only um, the topic only comes up at trade shows. <laughs> <laughs> You're right there. That's that's the, the 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 one of the real phases of the synthesizers, isn't it, Mr. Buchla? Apparently so. Yeah. Yep. Around the same time as Bob, different coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very and, different uh, approach. Apparently, uh, Alessandro Cortini does a pretty good job at getting pop sounds out of... And, and he is how I heard of the easel, not by anything that anybody else did. Um, me and uh, Alessandro are on the same kind of Instagram feed, and we're always feeding each other pictures, and then he went, here, check this out. And I was, my first question was, how much? When he said 3995, I was like, ooh, it's not bad. That's yeah. not bad at all. The last booklet I saw for sale was like the 100 series, $75,000. <laughs> so that, we bought two. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, uh, speaking of uh, multi-massively synth, massive synthy synths, uh, there's also, of course, I got uh, Mark Doty to play me a bit of the... Um, the Moog uh, of, I got it, I don't think I've made it in the play, the, the, the Moog 55 series system that they had there, and that sounded fantastic. Uh, he just said, oh, I'll check this out, I'll see if I can find it quickly, because it was a really impressive uh, set of sounds. Eric Nordstrom. Yeah, Eric Norlander, yeah, that's yeah. his, let's see if yeah, I can so. find it. Um, I'm, I'm not doing very well here, I didn't prepare for that, but that's not really, yeah, that's the way it goes. Isn't it? I think I did catch it on your video. Yeah, and it's the first time I, I and I got a proper line in and stuff, and so it's, it's actually you know about as good as you're going to get in that sort of environment. Let me see if I can find it anywhere. Uh, anything else for you, um, non-Eric? That kind of on the synthy side, um, the Casio oh, was a surprise. Well, there was a, the one thing I really need to ask you because you were there. I, uh, I had a look at the Moog. Uh, what fatty is it? Sub fatty. Sub fatty, and I was thinking, what is. What is behind this sense? Is, is this an update? It looks and sounds like the original Fatty. What's the difference? 
Uh, there's quite a lot of differences, and it's, it's subtle differences. It's got these extra features under the hood, which allow okay. you to do things like uh, there's a thing with unison detune, so or any kind of detune, it'll track. So I'm guessing the oscillators. So so you can basically you get you get a beat frequency that you like, and it'll track all the way up the keyboard. So it doesn't go sour if you play it up the keyboard it stay it gives you the same sound all the way up the keyboard there's uh okay. that's one thing there's yeah there's lots of tweaky there's a noise generator there's uh was it two oscillators and a sub there's a uh, different modes to the filter you can switch between four three two one pole and that made a huge difference to the filter really? quality uh particularly when um combined with the multi-drive and the multi-drive and i think also the drive has been varied so you can pull it right back so that it doesn't drive at all so it's just clean tones which is okay. not the moog sound you know you so it does really sound different Yes, it does. Well, I mean, I'm not massively familiar with the uh, the little fatty. I think I, I did the yeah. No, I did the 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 thing. I actually no, I did. I did do the little fatty, didn't I? And the thing about the little fatty I found was I'd just become aware of that sort of oscillate that filter drive, and I couldn't. You couldn't back it off anymore. It was just always okay. there. Whereas this allows you to be a bit more. You can pull it back, but you can take it right up. And in combination, there are two sets of drives. There's drives into the filter. Then there's a dr an overall drive. There's quite. There's just quite a lot of. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There's just quite a lot of tweaky features there that actually do make quite a lot of difference. For and me, that's probably the hit. There's one thing um, in the original Fatty. You had one knob, but multiple functions. So you would kind of have to switch, and then, for example, filter and resonance. I think was on the same. Yes. No, it's all. Yeah, it's all discrete. Okay. All discreet. I mean, that's, that's a big improvement. But then there's also uh, there's also this layer of panel functions. There's there's like eight buttons, and if you switch them in different kind of combinations, it gives you fast access to all of these little tiki things, and you can do things like, if you switch it one way, and then uh, Amos goes through this brilliant video. I, I've never seen quite some... I mean, the, the, the Sub Fatty uh, was our second hottest video. When you think it's a 30-minute, really nerdy, in-depth kind of, this is actually I how you do it. All. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't checked out the engagement, but uh, it, I mean, it's 15, we had 15,000 views on YouTube for that. Wow, great. Uh, but the IMS 20, 25,000 views. Wow. You know, so... And that's probably just down to price. Uh, oh, well, I... And, the um, Profit 12, who did that one? Profit 12, uh, Dave Smith. Yeah, that sounded absolutely brilliant. I heard that in the flesh. Um, he, he said, "This is my best one at the beginning." Of that <laughs> my best synth ever. Yeah. To me, I only heard it on I think on your video on your video, Nick. And to me, it sounded a little bit already the original the 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 Prophet Eight he released already also sounded a little bit, you know, very a little bit harsh. It has this very sort of a little bit very. I mean, it can be nice, but it has a little bit of it sounds. It's, Amazingly aggressive for an analog synthesizer. Yeah, well, the, basically the way that he's done it, he just said, "Look, these are digital oscillators. I control with analog filter, analog elephant. You know, okay. the other side is and so he's used the an analog drive. So he's used the digital because he wanted to be able to do certain things with the oscillators that." that he couldn't do otherwise. I don't know what those things are. Um, I did film the video, but I'm afraid my memory's so shot, I can't remember what it was. But I do remember thinking, God, that sounds really beefy. And it's got loads and loads of features and functions on it that are kind of, you know, it's it's fairly uncompromising. It's, I mean, when you consider the only other thing in out there in the three grand polysynth market is what? The Solaris. Yeah. yeah. That's it. And, you know, you can't 
buy them so easily because they're not you know they're not in full production or they are in production but there's waiting list and what have you so this is the only thing out there that will give you 12 voices of this kind of thing and it sounded yeah proper fm that you wanted to do with it as well does it did it sound anything like a profit vs i couldn't tell you i'm not really a profit vs there were guy. wave table stuff in there wasn't there i believe so i believe so yes I, from what I heard, it doesn't sound uh, like the VS. I, I used the Prophet VS for a very, very long time. And it sounds to, to me like to be a different beast. But one question I have, Nick. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Prophet 8, the potentiometers, they stick out a little bit and they're kind of, kind of wobbly. That's why I didn't buy it. Because when you touch the, the knobs, they kind of feel very indirect because they're very high and they're kind of not really... Right. Really I can't. Funny. I can't vouch for that. I mean, I didn't get. I didn't you get didn't a chance to wick. No, I didn't. I mean, because okay. Dave was giving me the demo, and when I got back, I mean that you couldn't get near it any other time. Okay. Every every synth demo I saw that you did, Nick, you asked within about two minutes. You asked, "Let's hear it in unison." <laughs> and I thought his ears now must be so fatigued by unison, unison. Well, I know I only asked that of the Schmidt, and unfortunately he couldn't do that, and I'm kind of glad, because that probably would have blown my head off, you know, because it <laughs> sounded absolutely massive. But yeah, Wobbly Knobs is a good show title, thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Prophet 12 is is also going to sell. I mean, the one thing that I did get from all of these people, um, Dopefer wasn't there um, because he's too busy, because he's so busy, his his business has like grown so much. He's at that point where he's got to kind of decide how he's going to deal with all this extra manufacturing and all that thing. And he couldn't come to NAM because he just had too much to do. He Dave Smith had his best year. Two thousand twelve was his best year ever. Right. Well, that goes to and and Dave Smith said the same thing. He said we're mass. We're just we're our business has just grown so much in the last couple of years. It's just gone crazy. And I think this whole analog resurgent or just you know one for one kind of functions they're just people are kind of want to do that i wonder if it's down i wonder if it's down to the fact that as we all get so much older our eyesight's so shit that we can't actually be bothered to piddle around with the menu items so we're all buying synthesizers instead or whether that's not the case you know nick i know at least two young people who are obviously into Facebook, they're into everything, you know, they use the computer all day long. And then I say, oh, what are you using for music? Oh, I've got a couple of analog synthesizers and a couple of foot pedals. I would never use my computer for music. Really? <laughs> so I, wow. I wonder what is going on there, you know? That's, that is interesting. I think that there's a sort of essence of living for the moment, isn't there? And having that, you know, knobs are back in, definitely. Uh, the other thing um, that was a really big deal that didn't really perhaps... Well, there were two, a couple more things, actually. Uh, the f- iConnect. I'm going to see if I can play that quickly. All right. Is it that one? No, it's this one. This is the one I want. Yeah, this one was very cool. I'll play Hello, my name is Michael. I'm with iConnectivity, where we have introduced a new line of MIDI interfaces. I'll just fast forward it a bit. Got our TP MIDI, which is... uh, Yeah, this is cool. It's got Ethernet MIDI built in as well. So it's got an Ethernet port on it. ...through the Ethernet or even through Wi-Fi. So it does all that type of MIDI. But this is the killer. ...the box, does uh, um, routing, filtering, muting, merging through all the functions of MIDI that you do today uh, with various uh, other... Uh, boxes just all contained inside our box. Is that like a control panel to set all of that stuff up? Yeah, there's a simple application we have called Port Manager. Uh, It's an iOS app as well as uh, uh, Windows and Mac, and it just goes through the simple 
operations of setting up your filtering. Your Honestly, it's coming up in a sec. I haven't memorized the exact also, point. When you're all satisfied with you, what you've got, you can commit it to audio pass through. That's it. Matt that M in the chat room. You unplug it and plug it back in. It remembers all those settings, and you're off and running again. Uh, so it's a uh, it's based on our original iConnect Mini product, and we've expanded on that audio pass through. Ah, what go. audio pass through will do is take that great quality digital audio from those applications on your iPad, for example, and pass it through to your computer. And that gives you the ability to maybe capture your DAW or your sequencer on your computer, uh, make it part of a real good performance. So you can use it as an audio input without having any D to A, A to D, all that kind of stuff? That's correct. It is straight digital, digital audio. Now, I'm going to stop that there, but that is a, ma a fairly major advance, actually, that, because basically uh, various people have said to me, look, I really want to be able to, you know, use these instruments and these apps in my door system, but the only way I can do it is, like, have the iPad as a standalone and use it as route the audio into my audio interface and then grab it. What this does, as well as the MIDI, routing the MIDI, allows you to pass the audio into your system, and you can make it as part of an aggregate uh, device, and I guess the sample, you'll have to have it sample rate convert if you're working at other sample rates, but it'll pull it in which means that you can set your iPad as input to your DAW, which means, or you, which means you can also use it as a virtual instruments and, and and what have you. And that is probably one of the biggest single adva advances in terms of uh, uh, the um, uh, the iOS world that we've seen for a very long time. Um, I heard Nick that AudioBus is supposed to be able to do that in the future. I yeah, heard. well, that would. I'm sure that would be great when it does. But again, there's going to be. I imagine there's going to be a little more uh, issues with things like latency with audio bus because it's going. Uh, that's happening mostly in software, you know. So it's going to be going yeah. over over the wire. I don't know whether that's going to come down the actual port dock, you know. Whereas this is coming over the USB port, which is kind of potentially a bit more uh, yeah, thrilling, true. I would say. Right now, AudioBus is a little bit struggling, you know. They just released a new version, I think today or yesterday, allowing to increase the buffer to 512 because, like, when you use Aurea and other stuff, you, it's, it's just you get a lot of stuttering audio because the computer, the small iPad 4 computer, is still not fast enough. So no, no chance on a 3 or iPad 2. You really need a 4 for that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, that, and the thing about this is it should just work with whatever. And after all, you know, it's, it's, it, it's hardware agnostic. And there's two versions. There's the iPad, there's the um, MIDI Connect 4 Plus, which is about 250 bucks, which has, which, and you can connect more than one at a time. So you can have four iPads plugged in and have them passing through. I don't know whether they would be individual sound or whether that would get merged. I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. And you've got the, um, the possibility of, connecting uh what is it you've got an i so you can plug controller keyboards into it you can plug mm -hmm. audio and you can plug all sorts of stuff into this and it'll have rtp midi over ethernet so there's a that which is really cool but the two plus has two so you can plug two things into it but that's 89 or 79 dollars i mean it's just like yeah okay we'll take one let's have it and that's not gonna be available for a little while but that's actually a really big deal i think and i don't think people mm. maybe realize quite how big but uh yeah it's pretty mm. cool yeah it's the first time i hear about it yeah mark you gonna get one no oh <laughs> <laughs> nice timing there um it'll work with your iphone as well yeah, well, I don't know. My iPhone won't work with anything anymore. Ah. Is, I'm not. Don't want to turn this. No, into let's not go there. I just think, 
you know, with all of these lovely upgrades that keep coming out, now I'm on iPhone 6.1 or something on an iPhone 3. It's time to buy another phone because, of course, it just gets so slow that you can't do anything on it. So, yeah, I, I, I have to say, I, you know, I, I thought iPhone was an absolute novelty when I first got into it, and then I found myself making music in Logic the right. way I always did, and I rarely, rarely go on the. Uh, you know, use the phone. Unless I'm out and about, I might do something. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, but I, I think... I need connectivity for it. I so. think the thing that makes a difference with this is if there's any instruments on there that you like, like Animoog, uh, oh God, I'm starting doing it, I'm starting to say Moog again, um, you know, Borderlands, any of these really interesting synthesizers that you can't mm. get anywhere else, then you can start integrating those into your setup, and that's some, with something like this. And plus, you know, it, it's a MIDI interface that's just going to be useful for all sorts of stuff. Mm. So I mean, I, I think it's uh, they're going to hopefully if they can get the ramp up the manufacturing and get the distribution right. There'll be loads of people buying these. So if I buy well, an iPad Mini because my eyesight's getting so bad I can't read the screen on the phone, and I would just need it to be bigger. <laughs> so if I yeah, buy an iPad Mini, sense. I might do it. Actually, makes sense. I think Mark. I think that's the usual route or route is that you. I was very very enthusiastic with the iPad. You know. I, mm. You know, did a lot of propaganda here, music talk, <laughs> this is the next big thing. Well, and it was exciting, up, wasn't it? Yeah, and at the end of the day, you start to realize there's a lot of, you know, extra payload of two stuff you have to do to get stuff from A to B to connect things together. And then, and then it's becoming so complicated that all the advantages of the nice touch interface sort of disappear and you start... Yeah, going yeah. back to your computer again, you know, yeah, because yeah. some of the things that you need to do are just a lot faster. Well, I'm hoping to get one of these uh, for uh, for review as soon as possible because I think, um, you know, it'll be a, a very... In fact, maybe they'll be interested in um, in doing sponsorship because, uh, as you may have noticed this week, we have no ad, so we're we're currently between sponsors on the Sonic Talk and I'm working on getting some more. So uh, maybe I'll just turn this part into an ad for an ad, if you see what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's interested, uh, do get in touch. Um, but yeah, that was a big deal. And the other, obviously, there was another big deal, which is Sonomo Wireworks. Sonomo Wireworks announced a 20 millisecond audio driver for Android, which mm. is a pretty big deal as well. Because once it gets rolled into any of the, if it get, or if they can convince the manufacturers to roll it into their flavors of Android, then it suddenly becomes a viable music platform a lot more or certainly more more viable as a music and audio platform was 20 milliseconds is apparently the same io that you get on an ipad for through so if you that's if you're plugging a guitar in say and routing it back out again with processing is about 20 millisecond round trip and i saw that demoed and that's quite a big deal i mean that'll mean that our sonic touch show uh, will actually have a little bit more content than just ios devices and there's coming a lot of windows 8 stuff is coming up you know Right, okay. I haven't seen that yet, but I did see the uh I saw the touchscreen on uh, w- uh on the Cakewalk um when I went up to see Cakewalk and had a look at uh, what they were doing and I saw the touchscreen working there. And that was kind of cool. And there's um what was on the- Acer there's coming out this uh, i5. I think it's a 20-inch tablet and I saw one from Sony already in the store, 20-inch Windows 8, but only an i3, but they have an i5 coming out soon. And I can really see if one of the big DAW manufacturers plus uh, Cakewalk jump onto the train, I can see myself maybe use that because then I have a file system. Hooray! Yeah, well, that's encouraging, isn't it? 
Yeah. I mean, I just want them to build iOS into a, a Mac laptop so that it has iOS and OS X at the same time and that they just, like, work in parallel with each other seamlessly. But, you know what? <laughs> I'm sure that can be done. I mean, whether or not there's going to be a... You know, it's, you know touch screen and, and still, you know, or both. maybe two screens. Maybe that's going to happen sometime in the future. What uh, was the latency like on the cakewalk thing when you saw it then? It wasn't bad, actually. It? I did try it. I fiddled with it a little bit. Uh, and I also saw, and I didn't get a chance to go back, the... Um, the Stephen Slate rave, the Raven. He had the massive, great thing on the, you know, oh, that, right. that thing. But they also had a little kind of, well, I say little. Um, it was probably a twenty-four inch, maybe, version of it. And I was playing with that, and that was pretty good. Um, and they reckon that's going to be about three and a half thousand bucks, and that's inside a kind of casing with a little pair of Mac laptop speakers and some monitor switching. That was prototype, and uh, a couple of other knobs and what have you. And that looked, pr- you know, that three and a half grand. I mean, it seems like a lot of money, but actually, it's much more feasible for that sort of technology because the other ones, what thirty five hundred, or you know, three thirty five grand, you know, whatever it is. I mean, the big one is ma- is massively expensive. So you know that was that was in, that that's going to be quite interesting. Although again, it's another layer on top of things. But the thing is, you can get all of that away, and you can start using it as a computer as well as an interface for your computer. So you can have both both things going on. I mean, if it emulates a massive desk, I think that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, because, maybe. I mean, uh, uh, you know, I can't afford to put a massive desk in my house, but if I could use something that emulated it and it worked in the same way, and I could get into that studio vibe workflow without having to buy a studio desk, it, it could be really cool, potentially. Yeah. I mean, they're working with, uh, um, at the moment, they're working, I think they're working with other, do- you know, they, they've got Pro Tools integration, and it's just about getting the other stuff uh, working right, and I don't know how they do that, because any layers in between are, are bound to be adding some sort of milliseconds into the latency, but uh, it seemed pretty good, so from what I saw. Uh, there was there was one funny moment. Uh, Stephen Slate was with some big shot producer. I don't know who it was. And there was there's always a massive crowd around it, and Stephen Slate was there, and this guy was there looking very LA and kind of all. And he just reached over and touched the control room knob, and something happened, and the, and they just went at full blast, really loud digital distortion for about five seconds, and everybody was just. Ah! Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh dear. Yeah, that was a moment. I just happened to be there, but I was just outside of the range of the speakers. Thankfully, wow. Uh, uh, what else did I see? Um, Ableton Push. I got a little bit of a demo of that with um, Dennis, um, and that was a bit impromptu. And I must admit, seeing him use it and feeling the kind of the very sensitive nature of the pads. Apparently, the pads are like this deep. You know, the the the, the, the pieces of rubber are like you know this thick that go right down into the unit. So the very the pads are really very very nice. And just seeing him use it. The, the laptop was shut like this. There was just, you know, you saw the light and it just didn't use it at all for that. And and they've, what their message effectively was, look, it's what it's for is for the inputting part of using live, not, not the automation and arranging. It's for like when you want to make some music and you don't want to piss around with looking at the screen and the mouse, that's what it's for. And that really kind of came across in the demo, I think. And uh, I was quite impressed by that and I'm looking forward to getting my hands on it. Any news on um, Ableton Live 9? Um, I think the whole thing is going to be spring when it all it all comes together at spring. I believe. Okay, that's. Did what you see Bidwick? I did. Yes, I saw Bidwick and had a kind of Q and A with them, and um, it, yeah, I mean, you know, they they've committed to summer. They said summer is where they're okay. aiming for, and this year. 
things like that. <laughs> okay. But they've got a lot of work to do with optimization, I'd imagine. Yeah. Uh, but as soon as it comes available, uh, I want it to. I want to try it on Linux. That's my kind of. That's what I really want to try to do. But uh, other big news, actually, I bumped into Woody, who used to work for Mac, and he's just bought Traction off Mackie. Uh, or ha- oh! not? Not just. Not just bought it, but uh, Traction has been bought and will be in development. Oh, Hans is looking very thrilled there. And <laughs> what 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 he told me was. Um, you know, they're basically down to a small team and uh, the guy's doing updates all the time and that's on Linux too. So that's, you know, between them, whoever gets to Linux first and makes it work, I think is going to have, um, uh, you know, a, quite a big playing field there and I think that will be very interesting. You so, know what, Nick? What? I think Traction is the best sounding uh, DAW ever. It really? sounds so great, yeah. And we always used to try to get it working again because it hasn't been upgraded but it's still been sold by Mackie and you know VST plugins don't really work right there's only a couple of plugins that do not crash the system now but it's it's such a big shame that nothing ever happened and I'm delighted uh, to hear the news that this there will be an upgrade because I think it's it got a great concept and a great sound and it was a real big real shame that it kind of disappeared in the vaults of Mackie. Well, um, it's not going. I'm just seeing if I can find. I've got a card here with uh, traction on it, so I think they've still got traction.com, and you know they're just basically going to be. They are releasing updates for it now, and um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how that goes. But that's quite big news, I suppose. In in the DA, yeah, there we go. Traction. Let me see if I can find it. It's official. Well, I won't. I won't put his. There. So there we go. Um, anything else? Anybody have anything they want to, that I might have seen that they want to ask? <laughs> stylophone. Stylophone. The stylophone. Right, the stylophone. Um, it was built beautifully. Uh, I thought it actually, uh, I mean, it's a very chunky metal construction. Unfortunately, the guy who was there, who was showing it, I only saw it on the preview day, um, was... Not a keyboard player nor a synthesizer user, so I didn't really get the. But Tara Bush has been sort of, I think she's an endorsee for it, and she was blown away by its uh, by its bottom end and what have you. Apparently, you know, it does sound really fat and what have you, um, but it's beautifully built. Um, Three hundred bucks, I think it's going to be four hundred dollars, maybe. So you know, it's not cheap, but it, it looked really cool. It I did like look- the aluminium extruded kind of end look of it, and and that spinning. Thing and everything it looked really interesting yeah no that was pretty cool i mean does it do something other than just it could do that as well and a vibrato it'll do that as well but it won't do uh it, yeah it will do that as well um they wanted it to sound like an original stylophone and and some and it does do that but, uh, I mean, you know, it didn't make me kind of think, wow, I was really blown away by it. It was all right, but um, I'd have to check it out on a bigger system and, you know, all of those things, caveat empire and what have you. Um, what else did we see? Um, I did want, yeah, um, Happy Fun Team want to know in the chat room, did I see from Copperland? I did see Copperland and I had a chat with them, but I didn't actually um, get round to, uh, to going and visiting them and getting uh, a, a demo. But apparently what they've done is they've got... Um, Copperland have done some deals with uh, Bridgeco, um, which means that Copperland will be embedded on 
the Bridgeco devices that go because Bridgeco make all the a lot of USB and Firewire uh, chips for audio and MIDI that go in a lot of the high, a lot of the stuff that's built. So once it's gone in there, it means that Copperland will then be available to a lot more um, devices because by default it will be in as part of the chipset. So that's quite a big deal. Um, what else? Um, Nexus. Q-Nexus. Now, I tell you what, actually, Dave, I'm glad you asked because I, I, I was thinking about that. That's very cool. And I'll tell you why. Uh, it's very cool because um, it's got CVIO on it. It's got three channels of CV, a one of gate, and a CV in, so you can process CV and then do stuff with it in MIDI and then send it out again. And it's 150 bucks. So it's also got that keyboard and all the other stuff on it. But just if you said it's got the CV, the CV stuff alone is worth 150 bucks. So that is a steal. And, and poly after touch and what have you. Yeah, that's going to be pretty cool. And uh, when's that, when's that due to ship? I don't recall, but I think it's um, spring again. Okay. Because, that, that, you know, they, they basically, again, they've, they've, they've been able to build it because... Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they made so much money on, on, yeah. on uh, what's it? Whatever it's, uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. So that any was pretty- news from Apple? Apple. Uh, no, I don't get any. I don't. I don't. I'm never communicating with Apple. Really, I don't have an in with them. The only thing they ever do, in fact, they did this last time we talked about Apple. It might have been with you on the show, mm, and okay. I was I was bitching about um, uh, main stage and latency, MIDI latency and audio latency, and they got in touch and wanted to do a, 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 some sort of conference with me and an engineer to. To, to put my um to, to get my facts straight about certain things and make sure that I understood how and it's like yeah I know how it works it's all right <laughs> uh, but there's was, no news of any major update around the corner or Apple on Apple don't display they're not at the show so yeah but there might have been one or the other personnel from Apple yeah I didn't see anybody actually rumors. I didn't know I didn't see anybody I didn't bump into any of uh, I don't know anybody at Apple so I probably wouldn't have okay. wouldn't have and they, they don't walk around in black polonex anymore. I think they try and do yeah, it incognito. Um, what so, about this? Um, let's talk about something organic. What about the wheel harp? Did you go and look at that? <laughs> I quite like that. I, I think it's excellent. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's a beautiful thing, but honestly, it, it, it seemed impossible to tune, if I can put excellent. that in a, in a polite way. Good. Yeah. The wheel heart. I was very excited. I got lots of emails about that, and people were saying, "Oh, what?" I didn't film it. Andy went to film that, and he was he was showing me the video, and uh, we were just giggling because it just sounded so out of tune. And so uh, there was one that sounded really good. Apparently, it's like a hurdy gurdy with a keyboard, as far as I can gather, mm-hmm. and it's a beautifully made thing. It's a beautiful thing, it, uh, and it's got lots of you know great sort of uh, artisan factors to it. Um, but the stuff that I heard sounded, you know, didn't didn't make me want to kind of uh, leap up and down and go, I must have it. It's such a beautiful thing. But it- but there were two. There was one that was more in tune and did sound a little more kind of, you know, it sounded like a um, one of those. It had the sound of um, the sort of baroque violins where there's no vibrato, so you just get a zing yeah. zing zing. zing. I was gonna, well, it sounded like a child playing a violin really bad. <laughs> But that's what I loved about the video because actually the sounds were really scary and the guy who yeah. was doing the presentation was actually quite scary as well. Yeah. So the combination of the two, I was like, I'm I quite fascinated some by this. Things that instrument could have its niche, actually. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's expensive. I don't know how much it's going to cost. And, uh, you know, but um, apparently the, one, the other one sounded better. Um, other baby, everybody keeps asking about Boomstar. Yes, we saw the Boomstar. There's a video up online for it. Um, and I spoke to, uh, I can't remember his, his first name, Mark, Mark um, St. Regis, 
who's one of the guys from Studio Electronics, and he was totally out of it. I mean, not like drunk or anything, but it was so Sunday when I spoke to him, and he was just spaced and obviously really fatigued and just couldn't really string a sentence together. <laughs> but we had a really funny kind of time, and he showed me it, and it does like, sound pretty good, actually. It was... Uh, um, it, it did sound nice and fat and, and beefy and all of those things. Um, 899 bucks. You know, it's a, it's a boutique kind of thing, I guess. Um, so that's kind of all right. Um, I'm clutching... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the vintage vibe clavy. I didn't see that. As you can see, I'm sporting a clavinet behind yeah, me. Yeah, I do like a clavinet. I always wanted one. But it was good because Dr. Lonnie Smith was on it and jamming away. I was like... And they, and they're, they seem a good company, that vintage vibe block. I was right. quite about that. I didn't wise. see that, I'm afraid. I was, uh, I was uh, completely slipped under the radar. Completely. <laughs> Just how, how embarrassing. Um, what else have we got? Um, uh, I'm, I'm running out of, uh, of concepts here. But uh, I was disappointed that uh, the uh, Cinco MIDI organiser wasn't there. That was cracking. I'm going to put that on next week. That's just a brilliant <laughs> piece of video, that is, isn't it? Uh, the Hugh Mooge wall, yeah, we did that. Um, I was just looking for the video, actually, but I can't see. Ah, B, there we go. Let's see, I can probably play that. So the King I... Korg. Yeah. Oh, the King Korg. That's hilarious, isn't it? It's hilarious. I, did, I, 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 but I, met, I met the MD of Korg UK and various other people and said, before you name that, you obviously didn't speak to any northern gentlemen, did you? Because <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, King, uh, if you if you leave the silent F, then uh, King Korg, King L, is uh, is a kind of you know something that you that you would hear in the UK, uh, but actually it sounded all right and it was quite and it's quite it's not bad, and I think it's a good idea and it was very it sounded much more synthy than their other stuff. I mean it's like a performance it's like the performance um, like the EVP one or what that piano uh, that piano they've got but it's more synthy and that seemed okay but i don't know what do you think about it hans is that uh do you think that's utterly, a miss then do you utterly boring i think <laughs> well they can't have, and not everything they release can be kind of uh can be absolutely sort of hit of the show or whatever but i have to I, say i think what one thing that struck me when we were doing our show on nam show was that there was a lot of massive amount of like spin-off products you know a smaller version uh, different color version, more sounds, less sounds from from a lot of manufacturers. I, we were seeing you know products like more channels, little more channels. This sort of stuff that you see in the supermarket, you know, where where from every product now there's ten or twenty variations, and that seems to be true for musical instruments or electronic musical instruments now too. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I guess when it's when it's um, when money is tight. Then they do that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Just out of interest, the uh, if I put that there. The King Korg was number four on our hottest videos. I see. Oh, I think so, everyone expected it to be analog, didn't they? Maybe, yeah. But you're absolutely right. Get your hands off me, King Korg. Yeah, it's just got a <laughs> great T-shirt potential there, isn't there? So yeah, I mean, in, you know, in terms of that, we had the MS20 oh. use the first look, twenty-five thousand. Well, Moog Sub Fatty, fifteen thousand. Slash Marshall SL5, 9,000. Good good job, Amped guys. And because we got a load of guitar stuff and the King Korg 9,000. I, I don't want to be too negative about it but because I like the company, but what the hell was that cloud speaker thing all about? Um, it's about... Wasn't that like a, an internet radio? Sort of. Thing on it? Yeah, sort of. Um, I, I, it's, it, what it is is a white box. 
Yeah. Which, if you have loads of those about the place, the first thing is going to happen is your toddler is going to pour his milk into it. So, <laughs> you know, it's for people who don't have children and have loads of money, I would say. I, I didn't understand what... I mean, I kind of watched the video and the presentation and I thought he's presenting something that we've all had in the house for like years and years and years and making out as something really new. Uh, I don't I think, think he was making out it was new. I, I'm just... I don't think there was... I mean, it was just a start... Well, maybe the terminology, cloud speaker, it's like, wow, this new thing, this is all brand new. He'd got a few other really clever new terms in there, and I just was underwhelmed, I think, is, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it didn't, I didn't hear it. Um, I didn't hear what, what it sounded like, but I suspect it's going to sound pretty good. I mean, it was beefy. It's quite a big thing. Um, well, the size of it, it must sound amazing, because I have to say that speaker technology has gone Yeah, it's like, it's got a quite incredible now seven or eight inch in, driver in it i was in curry's and i came across this thing in curry's curry's but the americans is like a the target of uh no not tar- uh circuit fries city. circuit city or yeah. Fr- yeah yeah so and they had this thing in there called a jawbone which was about the size of a packet of cigarettes maybe a bit bigger than that and was just red and didn't really have any controls on it apart from one button which you press and you connect it to your phone via Bluetooth. And it's like a tiny little thing and it's got so much bass in it, it sounded incredible. Yeah, that, I, I think I've seen those. I that walk around the store, get about 30 feet away from it, playing sound effects on my phone. <laughs> and like blasting out of this thing across the store. Excellent. And I figured, I don't know, I mean, I just, I'm not seeing anything... I suppose, uh, yeah, I'm just underwhelmed by this cloud speaker thing because it doesn't seem. I, I don't didn't understand. What no, it's a it's a it's a style thing, isn't it? I mean, it's very much a kind of like you know, you want to buy into that, and that, that's what they are. They're a design company, so they're sort of things you don't you like. You don't really need an OP one. I mean, you just want it because it's a desirable object and it's got, and it's cool, you know. But that's about it. I would agree. Yeah. Okay. The new THRs from Yamaha, I mean, on the guitar side, we're talking music tech, but uh, our guys did a fantastic job on Amped. There's loads of stuff there as well, if you're interested. I'm, I didn't get to film or edit any of that stuff, so I haven't really had a chance to catch up on it. But uh, if you get, check our YouTube channel, um, there's like two playlists, one with guitar stuff and one with tech. So you can, you know, if you want, you can watch the whole damn lot if you're interested. Um, but um, so, yeah, there's both, both things going on there. Anything else for you, Han, uh, non-Eric, that, um, that grabbed you? No, can't think of anything. I don't think. I think we pretty much covered most of it. Yeah, I mean, there I was so, yeah. the um, uh, the sound. Oh, the new Soundcraft desk that was pretty a uh, nice looking. And uh, the reason I went to film that was because oh, Andy went to film it is because we just noticed it got loads of hits on the story. The press release went up, and it was oh. like, wow, people were really interested in that. So uh, we went and checked that, and it's got some really nice fun- features and functions. Like they've got all the faders are backlit. And, but it's multi-RGB backlit, so that wh- whatever mode you're in, the fader will change colour. And there's also, um, they're all motorised fader, and they've, what they've got is a motorised centre dent. So when you flip into graphic EQ mode, there's a centre dent on all the faders, but it's not that, it's, so it's, it, it's done mechanically. So when it's not an EQ, there's no centre dent. It's just really neat little, they've also spent quite a lot of time on uh, making it work. It's got a very small display. You don't really need it. It's just like a fat channel and a load of select buttons. Just lots of really neat little features. Um, but uh, And it's a good price as well. I think it's like three grand for a 32 input. So that's dollars. So it's in the ballpark of the, uh, the Behringer X32s. Of course, we saw that there were three more of those as well. Uh, four, uh, four more, actually, of those. 
And that looks pretty interesting. Or I'm, more lesser inputs or more inputs? Or what? Uh, well, the Behringers have got... Uh, six, there's a 16... It, uh, input Behringer. Um, they're all they've all got sixteen mic ins. So you've got a compact, which is like just a smaller version. So it's got eight faders plus eight faders and four layers. You can still get the extra inputs if you've got uh, I/O boxes on AES fifty or however. Um, but then it's still got the strips, and that's about five hundred dollars cheaper than the main one. Then you've got the producer version, which hasn't got any of the scribble strips and is more compact. And that's sort of mostly that seems to be designed to work with the DAW. Then you've got the rack mount, which is, again, 16 mic inputs. And then you've got the core, which is just the uh, the engine, basically. That, that's for working with installation. So you put that in and you stick all your IOs on it and you control the whole thing off an iPad app. Wow. So, you know, and they're all pretty well-priced. Yeah, very. And I have to say, you know, as you know, I, I'm a big fan of the X32. I think they've done a great job with that. I mean, I don't know what it's like without the scribble strips, but, I mean, if you're using it with uh, an iPad app, it sort of doesn't matter. And they had the uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was a um, it's a it's an iPad interfaced mixer, but instead of docking it, it's just got a, a place to put it. So you just put it on the mixer, and it it connects by Wi-Fi, or you can have an <laughs> I/O dock. So they solved that kind of problem with uh, switching. Uh, yeah, yeah, with switching inputs. But as I explained my delay today, I had a little bit of a problem with my Mackie DL sixteen oh eight. You know, it seems like occasionally um, I have a hiccup and I have to reset the router and the switches that I'm using because I have a pretty elaborate Ethernet uh, setup here. Uh-huh. But that's kind of a little bit scary because you can't do anything on the mixer itself. There's no control. It doesn't have like a flash RAM and just, so it just stays in the last... Yeah, it comes st- back with the open. But remember when I wasn't hearing you? Yeah. That was because that track was muted and I couldn't, couldn't get a connection tell. with the iPad. Oh. And so that there's a kind of a danger. I think um, what could probably be done is uh, hook up um, an, an Apple Ex- AirPod Express and do a direct connection with them. So not going through my big Ethernet setup here. Right. How but, do you find uh, the Mackie? I haven't tried it out. Great. Oh, it's okay. got two software issues that will be fixed i hope in the future is you cannot link stereo channels not even in the 1.4 that's coming up and you cannot rearrange the order of the tracks on the display um but that is really necessary or at least useful because then you have 16 connections and for a different show there might be you know yeah it might be the second page looking for uh you need to scroll and that can be sometimes a little bit confusing. Right. So I would like to be able to rearrange um, the order of the tr- tracks. Oh, well, that's got to be done. It's just a software yes. thing. I mean, it's simple uh, software, yes. You would think it would be easy enough. Uh, people have been asking in the chat room. In fact, Distrobe asked, and we got a few emails about that. Anything from Access? Uh, no, is the short answer. There was It was all Kemper, Kemper, Kemper on the Access stand, So, uh, which is pretty cool. The Kemper um, um, profiling... Uh, uh, the Kemper profiling app has got a 600-watt Class D digital amp in it, so you can plug it into your combo and monitor locally, and you've got two separate paths. So you can have a monitor path, and you've got the thing that goes out front to a front of house, and that's probably pretty cool. That's sounding nice. That's sounding nice. Uh, a Kemper Red. I don't know what a Kemper Red is. A Kemper Rack there was. Um, anyway. 
I, I think that's probably uh, that's probably us for this this week. I, I, I'm sure more will come to mind. And once again, uh, we should thank our sponsors, Presonus, for uh, helping us out on the show. And uh, if you fancy a laugh, you can watch. If you fancy a real laugh, watch the first day's coverage when it was me and Rich um, doing the first time ever. And I'm not kidding you not. There's a guy there with a walkie-talkie going, you're on in five, four, you know, it was real countdown stuff. It was like TV. It was absolutely <laughs> bloody terrifying the first time. Um, so, uh, well, and well done for Rich for stepping in and kind of um, making me look acceptable by by taking over when I ran out of stuff to say. But that was good. So you go to Personas and check out the live feed and there's archived versions of that. And we're in the first 15 minutes because they, they broadcast basically all day and they had an amazing setup there. Full switch and, you know, it was like they had three people in the gallery hands. So there's like, <laughs> like a, a one ME switch. It was just like a room about the just full control room job and then a guy on the floor. And a, it was, yeah, it was really impressive. That's, that's, now we know why we don't do it, right? Yeah. <laughs> But there were four people working on it, five people working on it. So, uh, yeah. But they were very calm and very um, easy to work. On the second, after day one, it was all fine. We knew what we were doing. Okay. So, anyway, well, we'll say goodbye to all our guests. Uh, we'll start off with uh, Mr. Dave Spears over there in um, the land of uh, GeForce Software. Thanks very much for Thank you very stepping much. in and joining us. I had much fun. Um, yeah, no, brilliant. And great stuff. I mean, I didn't, I didn't manage to watch too many videos, but what I did watch was great stuff as usual thank you very much yeah it was uh, it all went smoothly fortunately so that's why <laughs> and the team were fab oh can i spill some news oh yeah go on then about gaz ah gaz's gig yes so uh blimey actually can i really rewind just very very quickly yeah go on. when they i had the call a long long time ago a year or so ago from the underworld people asking for an assistant uh, asking if I knew of anybody who would make a good assistant for Rick for doing the Olympic stuff. And I actually recommended Gaz back then because he was looking for something to do and I just thought, he's Welsh, Rick's Welsh, they all get on. <laughs> what could possibly be here? Yeah. The Welsh connection will work out great. And for various reasons that didn't, that didn't come off, I, uh, primarily because I couldn't arrange a meeting between the two of them where they could sit in the same room and see how they got on. Uh, and then just before Christmas in November, I had a call from Carl, who's done a solo album, which is out in April, and he asked me to help him put together a band. And I recommended Gaz when it came to... The band kind of criteria changed, and I recommended Gaz when it came to a bass player stroke tech guru. Wow, that's about it, isn't it? That's a description um, right there. Yeah, and then I called you, and I emailed various other people about another keyboard player, and that obviously turns out to be Angie, who worked with you guys on Goldfrap and Peter Gabriel and obviously Gaz in his Popeye thing. So I took Gaz up there, arranged a meeting and sat there while they talked about Wales for about an hour and a half. <laughs> and then I came, I went to the other studio and did a podcast and we left and Carl emailed me or texted me on the way home saying, I totally get it. Thank you very much for bringing him up. And so we're really pleased to say that Gaz has the gig. Hooray! Uh, it's great, apart from the fact he can't join the podcast. Well, I did. Uh, I did say to Carl that only because I think they're rehearsing Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays. And I did say to Carl, I'm only doing this on the proviso that you let him off on Wednesday afternoon to do the podcast. And then I said to Gaz on the sneaky lit, uh, sneaky quiet, I said. I've been trying to get Carl on the podcast for ages, but it always gets to the 11th hour and he's always got something else to do. So this way, it's a double-pronged attack, and that's the only reason I've recommended you for this gig. 
Ah, so we go. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, incidentally, d- didn't uh, Gaz make a bet on last show that he would have to eat? Yes. Eat his monotron. Yes. Um, if what? If they didn't release a polyphonic monotribe. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I'll send him a knife and fork, I think, or maybe a blender. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe he can do that. Anyway, thanks very much uh, for Dave for that and for the the news. And also uh, Mark Tinley over there, like Bing, who's become less BBC. You've taken your headphones off. I uh, have. I I can put them back on. No, no, it's all right. That's fine. You can keep them. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Much appreciated, as always. You're very welcome. Uh, likebeing.com is where you can find what Mark's up to and um, yeah thanks again for joining us right can I, as it's nearly um, coming around I'm going to mention this every week because I ought to and that is um, on March the 11th the album which I did with Warren and Nick in 1996 is being released oh cool on, and the <laughs> URL for that is tvmaniamusic.com and it's actually quite it's a lot of fun TV mania. Let's see if we can write that in in the mania. Oh God, I can't. But there's a there's a little bit more to it, but I can't tell you everything that's going to happen yet. But it's it's uh, there's going to be some weird additions to just an album. Ah, excellent. Well, quite interesting. Great. Good to hear. I'll I'll tell you more as I'm allowed to. Okay, fantastic. Look forward to that. And finally, non Eric over there in uh, Berlin. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, giving your valuable insight into uh, your thoughts on Tanam. And that was it. And next week is episode 300. Can you believe that? And I haven't got anything planned. So, uh, yes, you have. Oh, have I? Right. Okay. Apparently, I have got <laughs> stuff planned. So, I think that might involve Mr. Spears and um, some fizz. I think <laughs> it, it may not. I, I'm, I'm making a supposition there. But anyway, so um, thanks, everybody, for a wonderful show. Post-NAM, I'm going to go and now have a good um, uh, nap. Nap. Well, I'll go to bed. I'll just get another nine hours in, I think, and I'll be all right. So thank you very much for watching. Sounds like a good plan. Right. I'm going to switch off. <laughs> <laughs>